when you have this idea of the way it's supposed to look and then you don't have success at that and you feel like you're failing, part of the issue is you have to redefine what success looks like. I'll have what she's having. Welcome to another edition of Digital Confidence Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is the She Talks Confidence Podcast. I am girl dad turned therapist turned coach Tony Dufresne. Really glad to have you back. Today, we have the founder of Autism Parent Solutions, Andrea Pollock. Andrea, how are you? I'm well, thank you. It's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to have you on. Andrea was this very successful lawyer that had a little boy and then come around about two years old or so, it started seeing some signs and that completely shifted her life. And it was the process of how you did that and what happened and then how that transformed into the incredible service that you're providing now. That's what I'd like you to talk about. So my son, Matthew, he was diagnosed at age two. Uh, I was working as a lawyer at the time. And for the first two years, during which time we were trying to get him services and find a school and those things, I I continued to work. But as the first two years went on after that time, I realized this is not really working for him. And I had to find something that did. And I realized I couldn't do that as a litigator, which is what I was, flying around the country and doing trials. So I left my career and decided to homeschool him and really had pretty much no idea when I started what I was undertaking and what I was going to do, what I knew was that the world had a lot of lawyers and he had one mom. And somehow we were going to be a team and we were going to figure it out. This is a while ago, right? With your son. He's older now. Exactly. Uh, He was diagnosed 22 years ago. Okay. 22 years ago. But even at that time, there were some systems in place. Why wasn't it working? There was much less available back then. And ABA was the predominant uh, solution. And he was in a school that was a very good school that used that method, but it didn't work for him. It caught, he was very sensitive to his environment. It really caused him to withdraw more inside. And what I needed was for him to let down his barriers and connect. And if we were forcing him deeper inside, that was never going to happen. So that's a huge decision to take something that you know you're successful at, you're confident in, you can just, you can show up half asleep and crush it getting into a situation to where you have no idea how to deal with this and where to move forward into creating really something brand new that's going to work and be effective. When I did leave my career, I didn't know I was going to homeschool him for eight years. Maybe had I thought about that, I would have been even more terrified of leaving. But I just thought, let's just take the next step. And I figured I could always go back. So how did you go through that process, that that ebb and flow through that process and keep it going and expand on that? That's a great question. And it's interesting. I just wanted to mention that when parents come to me now, one of the things I hear so consistently is I feel like I'm failing. And I continued to feel like I was failing for quite some time. We would have little bits of growth and then three steps back kind of thing. And I... I'm really not sure the answer to your question about how I kept it going, other than that I just kept believing. I just kept believing that if I kept believing, then little steps would add up to big gains. And ultimately, that was what happened. So what was the formula that you found 
worked in regards to your mental mindset? What were the major shifts that you had to change in terms of your expectations that created this effective system? Yeah, the, the biggest one I had to make in the beginning was really accepting the fact that I could love and accept him exactly the way he was. And if he never made an inch of progress, that was okay because he was a whole person. And that's not inconsistent with wanting everything in the world for him. Sometimes we think that in order to push ourselves forward, we have to reject what is. But it was really embracing the idea that I could love and accept everything exactly the way it was and want the whole world for him. So that was the first big mindset shift. Um, another big one was really understanding that when he engaged in unwanted behavior, it was not his choice. He wasn't deciding to be defiant. He lacked certain skills that made it very difficult for him to do sometimes what we wanted him to do. And so then it was my job to work with him to help him grow those skills. And also that, that we were collaborative partners in this. Sometimes as parents or as educators, we think we have the agenda and we are going to force it on you. And that really isn't how it works ever, but particularly with a very sensitive autistic child. Yeah, we talked about this before the show. And, and with autism, it just amplifies and magnifies everything in terms of the intensity of things and the difficulty of things. But the principles you've been talking about in terms of how to do that and at the same time have that teamwork mentality with your partner, been in that myself, there's a tendency for all of the focus to go on a child with issues, even just a regular kid growing up, if they're going through a tough time, if somebody needs a lot of attention, the relationship between the other two, sometimes there's a fall off on that. Did you understand that going into it? And what did you do when that came up? I didn't realize it going in. It smacked me in the face a little bit early on because you're absolutely right. We tend to go all in on one thing, thinking that's what's needed. I also have a daughter who's two years older than my son. And I realized pretty quickly that this was a family dynamic issue, not just a Matthew issue. And that, that was really important for him too, because he was a part of this family and he was a part of the family dynamic. So it was really, it, what you're pointing out is really so important because you know, we came to see that it was just as important for him to be included in a culture, a family culture, as it was for each of us to be acknowledged in relation to him. That brings up an amazingly strong point that we chatted before the show because I have a personal experience with autism in my life on uh, two occasions. And I know from not my own personal family, but from somebody I was directly, indirectly related to, there was the older daughter, which was the one that did not have autism, there was a lot of issues that were surrounding her in term because of the fact of the attention factor of the validation factor of the support, the, her thinking that the support wasn't there or everything was focused. That's a big deal in terms of adolescent developmental psychology, if you look at the stages, I'm a big Erickson guy, so I believe in the Erickson stages. How did you handle that understanding 
that, like you just said, that family dynamic? We did it in a couple of ways. One thing was we were very insistent upon giving our daughter one-on-one attention. I'm lucky enough to be married to a great gentleman, and we would divide and conquer sometimes so that we could each get one-on-one time with each child, so that was nice. But I think the word that you hit on that is the, the foundation of everything is relationship, right? When I think about homeschooling my son, right, we think about schooling and educating and all of that, but actually... Autism, one of the challenges can be relating and communicating. So really helping him have a relationship with us, us have a relationship with him and building his relationship skills, because I knew that down the road, that was going to be more important to his future than whether he could read Chaucer or world history, that being able to relate and communicate with other Mm -hmm. people was going to be, as I said, much more critical to his success in the future. Mm -hmm. You talk a lot about prioritizing relationship and building trust and learning his needs and motivations because they're so far out of your norm. One of the points that you make uh, strenuously in your system, it's not forcing your own expectations, your own agenda. What did you use to pattern interrupt yourself out of that when you really had an understanding of oh no, I'm back into it. I'm forcing it. How did you get out of that? My son made me do that. He was not going to allow me to do that. So failure to accomplish my agenda was the pattern interrupt, quite honestly. So I I credit him with so much. That's a good interrupt, right? Right. Yeah. I fell into it hard and fast and continuously because we do, we have this idea that we're going to be able to like force this education on them and force these skills. And it's not how it works. Which then when you do that, then you think, okay, I'm, I'm doing what I think I'm supposed to do. I'm following the rules. I'm doing everything I can and still no success, right? That, so then there's this level of failure. And you said something to me before the show, and I think it's incredibly powerful. It is, Don't define your success by the outcome. How do you switch your mind and empower yourself and remain confident in a stressful or an impactful situation like that? One of the principles that I teach parents and that I worked with myself was to set my child up for success, to set us up for success. And part of that means being realistic about how things are likely to go. I'm not going to take us to a concert when he has such sensory sensitivity. That's not setting us up for success. So on the going in front, you do all you can to try to anticipate things that could happen to either avoid things altogether or adapt. And then sometimes you're going to get it wrong. And what I always tell parents is if you're not getting it wrong ever, then you're not getting close enough to their edge. We want to go over the edge sometimes because we want to know that we are constantly expanding their boundary. So that's okay. So going over the edge, you can congratulate yourself. You don't have to sulk about it. And then when you do, you also then take a lesson. Whatever it was like, okay, did not see that coming. Whether you should have or not, doesn't matter. Next time, now I know. And and just move on from there. But if you 
did your best going in and you set yourself up for success as best you can. And also sometimes you don't have control either. You plan to do something outside and it rains, nothing you can do about that. And sometimes you need to adapt to that too. And our children tend to be very inflexible. It's one of the characteristics of autism. So helping them grow their flexibility is another thing that we work on to increase our odds of success over time. You can have what looks like a failure on the outside and also have the success and have it build your confidence. And it comes from starting with confidence as well. When you have this idea of the way it's supposed to look, and then you don't have success at that, and you feel like you're failing, part of the issue is you have to redefine what success looks like. That is exactly the formula. That's the magic ingredient to all of this. To This could really apply to any level of parenting or again, any level of relationship in terms of being a confident teammate, being a confident parent, being somebody that's a part of the tribe that comes in with this expectation. And then all of a sudden things aren't met and then everything get crushed. Work on trying to establish or reframe it into what you had just said, reframe it Put it in that context. Some shifts do take a long time, but there are others that we can do more quickly that help keep us going till we get to the big shifts. One of the things that we do that I work on with my clients is we grab the wins every day. We always start with a celebration because sometimes we're so focused on fixing the issues that we forget that there are celebrations all the way through every day. And because small steps add up to big gains, it's really important to notice the small steps. So we do that. There are certain perspective shifts that, like we talked about already with when they behave in an unwanted way, they're not choosing it. It's a skill-based problem. So they're lacking skills that would enable them to make better choices. Having that shift totally changes how you approach your child. It enables you to immediately shift into a perspective of support rather than discipline. And it makes all the difference. And that shift can happen pretty rapidly. Mm -hmm. And that brings me into what I would like to talk about in terms of your formula, if you want to call it. I think your perspective, your mindset in regards to empowering and creating a level of confidence in parents and in people and dealing with issues like this. You talk about a program needing three primary components. The first one is effective practical strategies that work anywhere at any time and can be really important, customized. The second one is support. The third thing you say it's honesty. I've created a framework that's quite straightforward, simple, and it's a set of strategies. And either alone or together, you can analyze any situation that you're either about to encounter or have encountered to figure out what should I do? What should I do to either prevent this? Now that it's happened, what should I do to address it? And the reason that's really important is because sometimes um, professionals who are well-meaning and they do a great job, but they tend to recommend something very specific for every situation. And there's no way a parent can hold all of those details in their minds, right? It's so Having a framework through which you can analyze any situation is really important to building your confidence because you have it. It becomes second nature. It's just how you parent and that boosts your confidence because so it doesn't feel like there's something out there that you don't know. This is how you do it. So that's the strategies. The support is really important. It's the mindset that often gets in the way of us doing what we know we're supposed to do. 
there might be a strategy that we recommend, and yet somehow we don't do it. For example, people tell parents all the time, don't yell at your kids. Mm-hmm. Okay, we know that. But then sometimes you still raise your voice. So why is that? What's going on? And this is without shame, without judgment. It's to help parents do that archaeological dig to figure out mm-hmm. what's on their minds. Because once they find out what it is, they can choose to change it if they want to. They don't have to. But they can choose it and make a different choice. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. So that kind of support is really helpful to achieving the highest level of efficacy. And then honesty is important because as a coach, sometimes I'm going to have to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. But if I'm going to dance around the truth with you, it's going to take you a lot longer to make progress. So sometimes it's okay that we don't do things in the most effective way sometimes. But it's also helpful to be accountable for it, to have support to change it, if you want to. Again, you get to be the parent you want to be. This isn't about judging or creating parents to be a certain kind of way. This is helping you become the parent you want to be. But I'm going to hold up the mirror, and that's going to, there's going to be a dose of honesty in that mirror. Yeah, that's rough because a lot of parents just, and I can speak from my own personal experience too, we try to do our best and we think we do doing our best, but then the ego comes in and even if it, especially if the kid is, if your child is doing pretty good and so there's a reinforcement that you are doing the right things and then all of a sudden you go in and somebody says, what are you doing? And so there is a lot of confirmation bias or a lot of backing myself into the corner and saying, and trying to make excuses instead of being open to the possibilities and open to, just like you said, the honesty aspect, which is huge. It's such a huge component to that. All three of those things are so powerful and absolutely 100% all of them are needed. It's never really calling out parents. I just want to be clear about that. It's really about helping them see things in a different way. It's because, yes, sometimes they're not willing or able to see something, but it's not judging them or calling them out or shaming them. I just want to be clear about that because... That is never the process. That's not how, that's no, not I, how we. Yeah. And as therapists, that's because we don't do that. And of course, it's always, I always tell my clients, it's a no judgment zone. It's really not. But sometimes you got to give them a, well, what are you, what are you doing type of thing without And again, in the context of not degradating them or knocking them down because they're just trying as hard as they can to make this Absolutely. work. It's that whole thing. Everybody's trying to get to the same place. It might be something as simple as somebody's working really hard on some academic skills and focusing on that and obsessing about that when it would be so much more helpful for that child to learn to sit at dinner for a few minutes. It's things like that. If you want to prepare your child for Harvard and that's important to you, then absolutely, there's no judgment. But an honest dose of perspective might be we need to work on the strengths and the weaknesses. So your child might be very strong academically, but if they're having challenges socially, perhaps we want to focus on the social piece. So that might be an example of a dose of the honesty, but it's never about shaming or criticizing, of course. It, it, it's not because again, everybody's just trying to do the, the best that they can. But that brings up a really interesting point. And we talked about this before the show and I really want to drop this in. The, the point that you can be like really successful and really on top of your game and super confident in an aspect of your life. Like you're like, let's say for instance, you're being a lawyer, like you're crushing it yet. You get into a situation where you're lost in the weeds and you're like totally not confident. That's normal. That happens all the time. And 
the point is, is that those two contextual confidence things is not what we're talking about in terms of true base confidence in the fact that you will be able to deal with things. You're going to take things one step at a time. You are whole and complete and you will show up. That's the true confidence. And if you can focus on that instead of the contextual confidence and not define yourself by the fact that you're failing at this brand new thing that you shouldn't be succeeding at anyway, because you have no idea how to do it, then you're, then you won't go down the rabbit hole as much. I couldn't believe that I could be functioning at this level as a lawyer and having an amazing career and being brought to my knees to try to get my child to brush his teeth, my four-year-old, right? So how is that possible? And sometimes what I find we do is we run away from those things that we're not good at toward the places we do feel confident. But what I try to help my clients do, what I try to do for myself was to take my identity as a confident person in that context and say, all right, well, if I can have that identity in that context. I can build that identity here that I don't have to shy away from it. And when we think about what our kids are trying to do, it's hard for them. If we're only going to want to escape into those things that are easy for us, how can we ask them to do hard things? So it's, there's some beautiful synchronicity here when we ask ourselves to do really hard things while we're asking our kids to do really hard things. I just love that. So going forward, I really like how you set this up on your site and you, you phrased it where the first thing you say is, don't work with us if you're not willing to commit to action. Learning about parenting as an intellectual undertaking does not do anything for you. You have to put the skills into action. And also, that's how you figure out what works. Because the first try might not work perfectly. And that's how you learn how to tweak it. Right? It's like a professional athlete. Tiger Woods is out there. He's swinging the, the golf club 500 times to, to get the angle exactly right. And we don't have to do it 500 times, thankfully. But we have to do it more than once. We have to do it. That's how we can have a back and forth about how to make progress successfully. But you have to get into action. You can't just think about it. If you're afraid of failure, you're doomed because failure is a component to success. And in action, there will be failure because you're doing it for the first time. You're just trying to feel the groove. You're trying to sense the groove. And sometimes you can't even get to the groove until you go through a few falls on your face and then getting up. I have so many failures that I can share with parents that at least it helps them see it's okay. Like you fall, you get back up and then you get there. The second part you had uh, talked about in regards to don't work with us, which I love that uh, concept. You go, don't work with us if you're not willing to explore and challenge your own mindsets and habits and accept honest feedback, which goes along to the honesty part. But I love the fact where you have to be open to accepting your own limited mindsets and your habits that are keeping you in that structure that's not working for anybody. It's funny because I, I do say to my clients sometimes, personal growth is, can be messy and sometimes it's not comfortable. But you know what? When we stay in our comfort zones, that's not all that comfortable either. Isn't it interesting that, that people stay in their comfort zones and then they're upset that they're in their comfort zone because they want to expand, but they don't want to expand because they're comfortable in their comfort zone? I, I don't know if I would have done all of this if Matthew hadn't been taught to me, but I get to do all of these amazing things that I wouldn't otherwise have done. So when we look at it in that positive way, yeah, sometimes we're going to have to look at some things that are uncomfortable, like I said, but that's okay. That's your perspective shift that has completely changed your life, not only for yourself, but also for the value that you are now 
putting out into the world in terms of creating this system and helping other people with this issue. And it can be something as straightforward, just to give an example, because sometimes people don't know what we're talking about in that, but shifting from a perspective of I need to discipline to I need to support, right? It seems like such a simple shift, but parents are afraid to stop disciplining because that's we're raised to discipline, our teachers discipline, our religions discipline, everything disciplines. And so to veer away from that toward a support perspective can be really scary. And sometimes parents are afraid to give it up. Like if I do that, then it'll be all my fault if they don't turn out the right way. So that's an example yeah. of a of a, a mindset shift that's that can be so powerful for our children and for ourselves. The third component that you talked about at the end is don't work with us if you're more focused on the problem than the solution. If you're always focused on the stories of the challenge, and I'm not saying that's not challenging. Believe me, I know it. I lived it, right? I always say when we talk about sleep issues, when I talk about making progress, it's that I know it, I lived it, and I have the under eye bags to prove it. But, but... If we just talk about how horrible it is, we don't create the space to make the progress that we need to make. So we need to be more dedicated to the solution than to the problems. Yeah, We're not saying that, oh yeah, you need to wake up the next day and make all these major shifts. But if you believe and embrace in your level of true confidence that you can do this, I think that's a huge step first and foremost. And then there is a way to do it. And there is a formula. And there are people out there that are open to and know how to help you if you open up and you are okay with falling on your face or failing or confronting the fact that maybe what you're doing is not helping things. And then to work on a solution mindset, which is really important. That shift is so important. And so thanks, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Where can somebody get a hold of you if they have any questions in regards to your specialization and your company? My website is autismparentsolutions.com and there's a free training there. There's a media page that has other interviews I've done. If you want to contact me directly, if you think I'm in, I want to coach to parent my autistic child, you can just email me directly at andrea at autismparentsolutions.com and those would be the two most effective ways. And I will put that in the show notes as well, as always. And if you want to get a hold of me, it's tonydufresne.com. If you can't spell it again, nobody can. Then you can go to theconfidencedoc.com. I have a new ebook that's actually based on my 45 to 50 minute keynote speech. It's called Transform Your Life, True Confidence for Women. And you can pick that up for less than a grande pumpkin spice latte and a cake pop. There's an investment right there. Uh, any other questions or concerns, you can get a hold of me at Tony at theconfidencedoc.com. I hope things are great, and I will talk to you next week.